Hey, welcome back to the weekend edition of Outdoors Live on News Radio, the Mighty 790 KFGO. And I'm your host, Doug Lear. The last shot, the last shot for this weekend edition of Outdoors Live. Uh, we still have a Central Dakota Outdoors report with Pat Stockdale. We're going to get you a podcast extra with Bruin Agri Gone Outdoors, uh, and you can listen to them. You listen to Bruin Agri Gone Outdoors on Saturday mornings at 11 a.m. We know not everybody can listen to them on Saturday mornings. We know not everybody can listen to a podcast. So we break out a podcast extra for you each and every weekend. Before we do that, let's get you a Central Dakota Outdoors report with Pat Stockdale. You read her work in Dakota Country Magazine. She is an award-winning outdoors communicator, and she connects with uh, the people and the places, the bait shops, the gas stations, the motels, the resorts, the guides, to give us a better idea of where people are going, what they're doing, what they're finding outdoors. Well, Pat, what's cooking outdoors this week? Thanks, Doug. A hot 4th of July holiday weekend brought out lots of recreational boating activity with people enjoying lakes across much of North Dakota. Anglers took to the water as well, including Devil's Lake, where they continue finding nice walleye success throughout much of the lake, as well as East Bay. Try 13 to 17 feet using slip bobbers or spinners and bottom bouncers, but you might also want to work as deep as 25 feet. Just remember that fish generally don't survive when they come up from water that is deep as 25 feet or more, so plan to keep anything caught in that deeper water. White bass remain good with anglers continuing to use spinners or small crankbaits, but there again, you're also in deeper water. They're working their way out with the warm water temperatures. Try 5 to 10 feet in the bays of Lake Ashtabula using lindy rigs or leeches for walleye, but the warm weather is slowing their success a little bit. Look for continued fair-to-good success for a, a variety of panfish yet, and there's still some scattered pike. I don't have reports from Jamestown or Pipestem Reservoirs in Spiritwood Lake. The Missouri River tail race continues producing small walleye in the Spillway Channel Inlet using jigs and minnows or lindy rigs and night crawlers. Sort through your catch for keepers, though, because there's a lot of small fish. Look for some success in the river itself, where anchoring and jigging in deeper holes could produce some activity. You might also want to try three-way swivels working in the chutes. The river continues producing catfish as well. Up on Lake Sakakawea, the east end is a little inconsistent for walleye. Move around and don't stay too long in an area, working points and drop-offs off those points with a variety of presentations. Try the mouth of Douglas Bay around the islands in 15 to 30 feet using live bait presentations. It might be your most consistent success. The Van Hook arm is also producing walleye throughout much of the upper end of the arm. And finally, it's not too early to be cautious regarding the potential for blue-green algae on some lakes. The North Dakota Department of Environmental Quality tracks lakes for that toxic algae and issues any necessary advisories and warnings if it's been confirmed. Go to their website, deq.nd.gov, for updates. Appreciate that report. That is Pat Stockdale, and she is an award-winning outdoors communicator. Again, read her work in Dakota Country Magazine and various other publications across the Midwest. Right now, it's time to get you that podcast extra from Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. You hear Brewer and Agri gone outdoors at 11 o'clock on Saturday morning. Not everybody can listen then, and not everybody can check out their podcast. So here is a podcast extra from Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. 
Scotty Brewer, Kyle Agri of Brewer Agri Outdoors. And uh, again, we want to thank you for joining us today as we talk everything outdoors. And basically on this next segment, we are going to talk everything outdoors because with this subject, pretty much the sky is the limit. We're going to talk about camping with uh, Jesse Brunswick, camping the Dakota's Facebook page. Uh, he's also kind of our meat expert because he uh, helps us out with Green Mountain Grills, uh, the pellet grills, and he knows pretty much everything there is to know about grilling. And, you know, and it's kind of funny because camping and grilling and outdoor cooking all really kind of go hand in hand. How are you doing, Jesse? Good. How are you guys doing this morning? We're doing well. You know, we had you on last summer. I think it was later in the summer, and we talked about this. Uh, this kind of a relatively new group that you got called Camping the Dakotas. And we wanted to talk a little bit about it again. There's been such a resurgence in camping and in the outdoors. Um, There might be some new people um, that are just kind of getting into it that maybe want to learn a little bit more where to go, what to do, things they need to do. And uh, so we wanted to get that information out there now at the beginning of the summer instead of at the end of the summer like we did last year. So tell us a little bit about this Facebook group that you have and what you guys do with that. So Camping the Dakotas was a page that a buddy of mine, Aaron Evelyn, started almost a year and a half, maybe two years ago, with a main focus of just different campgrounds and different places that camp in North and South Dakota. We have a lot of friends that live in South Dakota and a lot of friends in North Dakota, and we kind of border hop back and forth between the two. So we decided, you know what, we need to make a page where people from North and South Dakota can bounce ideas off of each other, let people know about different campgrounds, just all different kinds of things like that. I, a question I have, which I'm pretty sure I already know the answer. Um, although most of the official posts are mainly about North and South Dakota, it's not necessarily just for North and South Dakota people. Correct. We have members from Canada, New York, Texas, Florida, California. People plan their trips way in advance. You know, we've got people that are coming through North and South Dakota that'll send us a message or put a post out there wondering where they should stay, where is the must-to place to stay in either of the states. That's really a great resource, Jesse, just to have firsthand perspectives on on the, the good places, the places that maybe maybe are more primitive or depending on the style of camping that that individual is looking for, you know, what's most suited for them. We've seen, as Scott mentioned, a huge insurgents in the outdoors here the last year and a half. Jesse, what's what's the one thing you're seeing that's being talked a lot about on your page that that folks maybe are less knowledgeable about, maybe overlooking, or one of the things, one of the pitfalls that they can uh, avoid when they head out for their first camping excursion? Well, a lot of it is, you know, your first time or first year campers. When you go into camping, you think, okay, I need some food, I need some water, and I need something to sleep in. There's so many little things that people just don't necessarily realize that you're going to need or that you should have when you purchase a camper or a tent, you know, and I fell victim to that the first year I bought a camper and got out and realized there's all these things that I needed and didn't have because I didn't have a resource necessarily to go to for your first time camper needs and your list that you should have. I think some people may kind of go the other way also where they're going to pack up everything in their garage 
and only use 10% of it, but they're going to have it with them in case they need it. I might then, resemble that remark, Mr. Yeah. Brewer, and uh, <laughs> I have to but, admit that. But, but, but then some of the things that they really needed, they didn't bring, you know, partially because they didn't have enough room for everything. And, you know, so I think it can go both ways. You, you got to make sure that you got all the important stuff that you need. That's where that pre-planning, I think, is pretty important. But you don't need to bring enough for a two-week trip if you're only going for four days. Right. And one thing that we do, which helps so much every time, and it doesn't matter if we do this or not, but we make a list. It hangs on the fridge inside of our camper, and it might just be a packet of biscuits. Well, we forgot that. Maybe we should write that down on that list, and we know next time just to just to remember it. And we always have this checklist of things that one side is this should be in the camper all the time, and the other side is food, water, things like that. But a checklist. Every time you go out, you learn off of that checklist, and before you know it, you're maybe forgetting one or two things at most anytime you go out. And then it really helps whittle down all the stuff that you don't need. Hey, Jesse, I got a question for you. Here's uh, something that Mr. Agri does, something that he's taught me well, and I've used it, benefactor of it, many, many times. Uh, Whenever we go on a big ice fishing trip, Kyle has what he calls his MacGyver box, which is small little parts, whether it's bolts, whether it's hitch pins, all these little things that can break on, on a rough trip. Is there items that should be in a MacGyver box for campers? Well, one thing that I always, if, you know, somebody asked me, this is a small toolkit, extra hoses, extra, you know, the little round rubber gaskets that go in hoses, extra hitch pins is a good thing. And it seems like those get lost in the grass. If you have a weight distribution hitch on your camper, the little pins that go in there, it seems like I lose one or two of those a year. I put them back where they're supposed to be with kids running around. Next thing you know, they're gone. Uh, those are a couple of the things, but a small toolkit is probably the most handy thing you can have. Do you have any tips? And and this is going to be a relatively difficult question, but uh, do you have any tips for guys that are very experienced campers, things that could help them, even though they've been doing it many times, they kind of got their own program? Are there, is there anything that you can tell them that would make their trips a little bit more enjoyable, a little bit better? Yeah. One thing that we do, if you're not staying, you know, a lot of people long-term camp, but if you're just staying in it for the weekend, we have specific totes designated. So when we get home from the camping weekend, all of our non-perishable stuff, everything goes in a tote, all of our laundry, everything that we need to do, bedding goes in another tote. We take everything in the house, put it in the basement. We wash all the laundry, fold it. And then when we're getting ready to go, everything's ready, packed. You don't have to worry about scrambling to wash clothes or wash laundry, things like that. That's the biggest thing I can stress is just being just organized organization. Uh, you know what, that, that is a great tip and, uh, makes me feel a little bit better, uh, uh, with my bad habit of bringing along everything in the garage. As Mr. Brewer said, uh, I try to be organized and that's the problem. It gets to be so much, but you know, at Jesse, one of the questions, and Scott alluded to it earlier, you are a, you are a barbecuing, uh, grilling guru, and camping is one of those activities that's very social, and it's very closely tied with food. In the minute we've got left, give us your favorite camping grill-out recipe. Oh, boy. Uh, I would have to say, it's a, so it's an egg bake, right? You take a packet of biscuits, one pound of sausage, six eggs, 
a packet of gravy mix and two cups of cheese. You, you quarter up the biscuits, fry the sausage, sprinkle that on top, pour your eggs over it, put your cheese over that, and then put your gravy over top of it. Bake it at 30 min- 35 minutes at 350, or smoke it, I should say, on the Green Mountain Davy Crockett. Put it on there for about 30, 35 minutes. It's excellent. Best breakfast you'll eat. Sounds delicious. That's, that sounds very good. And it sounds easy, you know, which kind of, you know, we still got 30 seconds here for one more question. And when, when you talk about camp cooking, there's a couple different ways you can go. You can go simple. You know, a lot of guys, you know, they just want to do hot dogs and hamburgers because it's easy and that's good camping food. Or a lot of people go very extravagant. What's your favorite or do you do a little bit of both? We do more extravagant just because we have the space in the camper to store, you know, a Green Mountain Grill. We've got the little smoker. I've got my Blackstone. And then also on the grill, we, you know, we have a stove, oven, top. You know, we we don't like to go basic. We like to put on a pretty good feast with our group. That's good. All right, Jesse, we appreciate you coming on Gone Outdoors. If anybody needs to find you, I'm sure they can uh, reach out to you at Signature Landscapes, uh, where you're where you're peddling Green Mountain Grills during the summertime, all year actually, or they'll meet you out in a, one of the campgrounds in North Dakota somewhere. We appreciate coming coming on Gone Outdoors. Well, it is going to wrap things up for this weekend edition of Outdoors Live. Appreciate the podcast extra being made available by Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. Uh, make sure you check out them Saturday mornings at 11 o'clock. And then also you can check out their podcast at kfgo.com. This has been the weekend edition of Outdoors Live on News Radio, the Mighty 790 KFGO and FM 104.7. Till next time, I'm Doug Lear reminding you, as always, keep your lines tight and your powder dry. Have a great one out there.